0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 26 of Investing from the Beach. I'm Chris Hansen, your host. I've got my co-host with me today.
1: Greetings, everyone. And his name is? Uh, Chris Lamb. It's been a while. It has. We don't do these
0: (laughs) as often. Uh, If you're first time listening to the podcast, quick little background on us. You can hear a lot more detail on earlier episodes. Um, The simple answer, you got two guys named Chris. One is smart. One's good looking. you got to figure out which one is which. We both worked at IBM. I got about 20 years on Chris. We both hit time freedom via the stock market. I did it when I was about 40. He got there when he was about 30. Um, He was an intern at IBM, just kind of coming in as I was just leaving. And he's been, quote, unquote, retired for, what do you got, seven years now?
1: Five, six years or something. Five, six
0: years. And I got about 15. Yeah, it goes really fast. And we developed a great friendship over the years, started at an IBM, and then it continued over the years. In that friendship, um, we've had many discussions about you know, figuring out how to get to time freedom. And then once we got there, we've had tons of discussions about what it took to get there. And we've seen in ourselves, we've seen in others, what most people do is they focus on the how to do, the mechanics, the cookbook, the the step-by-step stuff, and they end up not getting there. They get frustrated along the way, and they quit. And the reason for that is they don't look and they don't pay attention to the 800-pound gorilla in the room, which is the how-to-think aspect. And that's probably about 95% of what it takes to get to freedom. And that's the purpose of this podcast. We spend the bulk of our time talking about the how-to-think aspects as it relates to various... um Elements related to investing, whether it be stock market, real estate, you know, buying and selling stuff on Amazon, small business, it doesn't matter. And how you get to not t- not financial freedom, but time freedom. And there's a huge difference between that. Again, you go back and listen to an earlier episode.
1: It's basically to help you be successful in whatever you want to do, right, or whatever goals you have. Mm-hmm. It's it's really applying the, the, the mindset. And so... And so go ahead Chris
0: I was going to say in this episode number 26 we've had a lot of inquiries of, say hey would you guys talk about bitcoin or cryptocurrency and you kind of wonder if you know the there's a question going on as to whether or not that's a bubble or not right or you know what is the future hold on this and it just makes me laugh having had experience now you know living through a few bubbles when a bunch of people start asking about it and they weren't asking about it 3 months ago there's a little bit of a hint there as to we're probably nearer the end of this thing than the beginning of it, but we'll see. Caveat on this: um, neither one of us is an expert at this. We've Chris has studied it a little bit more than I have, but we are. If you look up the definition of you know Bitcoin or cryptocurrency expert, you will not see either one of our pictures there. But we do have, so you know, take what we say with a disclaimer. grain of salt. Yeah, total disclaimer. Do not take our advice as far as whether to get into or not get into any of this cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, whatever you want to call it. But we do have a pretty good perspective on the investing side of stuff, and what this is, you know, kind of taking a, a big step back and looking at the dynamics on that. And we'll start. That's how we'll start talking about it. So, before you start dreaming about uh, speculating, if you will, with Bitcoin, I think it would be a really wise thing to first understand money. You know, you got to start with the basics. You know, what is money? And there's two great books to read that I think everybody should go out and grab, and it would be very helpful for them. The first one is a book called The Creature from Jekyll Island. The Creature from Jekyll Island, it's J E K Y L L Island. The author's name, last name is Griffin. I believe it's G. Edward Griffin. There's a second book that ta- is entitled um, How the Economy Grows and Why It Crashes, written by a, by, by a guy who's named Peter Schiff, S-C-H-I-F-F. The Jekyll Island book, just a warning for you, it's probably an inch and a half thick. I, uh, if I remember reading in the prologue, it's at the beginning of it, basically the introduction, he started off writing, it turned into basically four books that he put in one cover. Um, talks about the history of money, the history of banking in the U.S., and how we got to where we are. And it, it is a little bit conspiracy theory-esque sounding. If you can kind of push through that and understand what it is that he's trying to say and point out as to what actually is the Federal Reserve. Fascinating book. Um, it's not a not a happy ending, not a sad ending. It's just it is what is it what it is. It'll probably tick you off as you read it, but you realize the reality of what we have with our banking system in the U.S. and what goes on in the world. So, And 98% of the population is absolutely clueless about this. So if you go ask one of your friends, hey, what do you know about the Fed? They'll look at you with a dumb look. So just be prepared for that. Mm. And the second book is by Peter Schiff, <clears throat> and he equally has the the label i guess of a a little bit of a um a nut job quack whatever you want to call him is fine if ever you watch if ever we get a period of time where gold is rising fast or falling fast cnbc is notorious for bringing him on as a guest panelist and Schiff's belief is that everybody should own gold he sells gold so he's got a he's got a bias there but they always bring them on and they laugh at them and they poke a lot of fun at them and which is totally fine. But he wrote this book a number of years ago. It's almost like a hardbound comic book called how the economy grows and why it crashes. And it's a great little simplified view in comic book form of exactly how the economy grows and then why it crashes. Um, so definitely worth the read. Uh, Jekyll Island's probably, I don't know, 20 bucks paperback. I think I've got it on the website, on the investingfromthebeach.com website. How the Economy Grows and Why It Crashes, I don't have that on the website. Go click on Amazon or go to the Investing from the Beach site, and then that'll take you to Amazon, and then click over and find it there.
1: But definitely yeah, worth the read. A quick uh, comment on the, uh, the the book by Peter Schiff, How the Economy Grows and Why It Crashes. He, he puts it actually in very interesting you know perspective, and so... Um, for those of you that find you know reading financial stuff can be boring or whatever, right? People tend to fall asleep when when they when, you know, they're 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 trying to learn uh, money and numbers. So he puts it in a way that makes it interesting and um I think you'll you'll find it uh uh pretty interesting that the follow through what he's saying. It's and enjoyable he explains it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's
0: very enjoyable. It's humorous. Yeah. He definitely pokes a little bit of fun at stuff. And so the first thing we'll talk about then is, you know, what is money? And if you think about it and you think, well, you know, if in the U S it's a, it's a dollar bill or, you know, five, a 10, a 20, a hundred, 50, whatever it is, but it's really just a medium of exchange. And so if I hand, you know, one of the listeners $20 for some, something, you know, the price of dinner, we agree that this little piece of paper has some implied value that makes it worth the price of dinner. And all it is, it's a medium of exchange. And so, the very simple thing, you know, that's what money is and why do we need it? It's so that we can conduct transactions or we can exchange goods and services. And we're not having to carry, you know, we've got a commonality or a common mode medium of exchange. And,
1: And it hasn't always been that way.
0: No, if you go back in history, right, way back when we used to use gold, right? And or we would barter which is fine, but it's not convenient at all. Because if, you know, if I'm looking to buy a loaf of bread and I'm a, I don't know, a candle maker, and if Chris is the baker with the bread, if he doesn't want my candles, what do I give him in exchange for a loaf of bread?
1: Yeah, it's very tough to equate values kind of based on supply and demand or what that means to you.
0: Yeah, so if Chris needs, I don't know, some, you know, machinery... He might turn to me and say, Hey, go get me some machinery, so I've got to go negotiate with the machinery guy, give him some candles, and then I go to Chris and say, Here's the machinery, and then I get my bread. Right? So it's incredibly inconvenient. Or, you know, then you get into the the medium of exchange being gold. Well now I've got to carry around piles of gold. And you know, it's not the if I'm looking to buy a loaf of bread and all I have is an ounce of gold. You know, a loaf of bread is two bucks, an ounce of gold is you know, Thirteen, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500, whatever it is today. How do I get change? You know, do you slice it down? There's all kinds of things that make it inconvenient.
1: Yeah, and as the economy grows, I think you will need more and more gold to kind of, I guess, divvy up to people. Mm-hmm. So it becomes very tough, right? And so when money was first
0: created, and that both of these books are fascinating. If you understand how money was first, the idea of it was first created and how that now works in the US. It's really interesting and most people don't understand it. And so when I'll use US money when at not let me think it's been up since about the early 70s the US currency used to be backed by gold. And then Nixon made a proclamation back in it was 1971 or so and took the US off what they call the gold standard and ever since then now the dollar has been backed only by the full faith and confidence and trust of the US government but it's so when i you know if i hand you a $20 bill for something we just implicitly or we just believe and imply that it's worth 20 bucks
1: and that's when the prices of gold started skyrocketing yes when they took the took this you know the, the gold standard um off and so you guys should, you know, go back in history and 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 Google it and study. Just look at prices of gold, and you'll see. Just from it was pretty stable uh, up until about that point, and then it just started exponentially uh, increasing from there.
0: And so it's it's a really interesting, you know, it, it, it like Chris said, that both books are written, especially the, how the economy grows, <clears throat> is written in very simple simplified terms. You know, my my my. Teenage kid or my what do you call him a tween just barely turned a teenager can understand it. He's read the book, and he gets it at a basic level. So it's not complex at all. The Creature from Jekyll Island is a little bit more lengthier and a little bit deeper. Not something I would have an eighth grader read, but nonetheless, as an adult, you'll pick it up. You'll understand it. The idea within that, if you look back to Jekyll Island, that's where the idea for the Federal Reserve was created. This was back in. I'm sure it was like 1910, I think 1911, somewhere around that time. And there were a number of, I think think the story was there, like half a dozen top bankers in the country got together on this island off the coast of Georgia. And they hashed out the idea for there being a central bank in the U.S. And it's interesting, that central bank, it's called the Federal Reserve Bank. It's not a bank, it's not part of the federal government, and it has no reserves. So it's an interesting thing. It effectively is a cartel um, of banks. It's just a fascinating read. And in that book, it will describe how the Fed actually, quote-unquote, creates money. And we're not talking about going to the Mint and printing this stuff, but actually how the concept of money gets created. And just a heads up for any of the listeners out there, if you were to go into your office or your family or neighbors and ask 10 people at work about how money is created, I can almost bet that one, perhaps two of them, can give you anything close to the right answer.
1: Probably zero. Uh,
0: most likely, it's going to be zero, and I say that because there may be a few people here that work in a bank or you know some kind of financial institution might have a better handle on it, but the huge majority of the population in this country and around the world does not know.
1: Which it, I think it's expected, though, because we, we've, you know, where, where do you learn that? No, you don't. And it's almost like kept a secret. Yes, that's what I feel. And it's not talked in the media. It's not talked in you know schools, you know uh, education. It's really through only maybe books here and there, but they're not that popular, right? They don't make them popular. No. Yeah.
0: And so the irony, if you really stop and think about this, everybody listening to this podcast, the efforts that you expend every day, whether you're at a job. Or if you've hit, you know, financial freedom through real estate and you're out collecting rents, or if you've hit time freedom through the stock market, right, and you're pushing buttons to move, you know, shares around every now and then, the vast and I'll call each one of those work, whatever degree of effort you have to expend for it. Let's just call it all work. The irony with this, you know, the vast majority of people get up every day, up out of bed, they get up, they clean up, and they show up to their job for their place to put out, expel some, expend some effort in order to get money. That's where everyone does what they do. And yet most people don't even know what money is. And it's really ironic. Spend all this time, you know, busting your butt to make a few dollars and you don't even really understand what those dollars are
1: or if there's value there. Yeah, we're chasing something we don't understand. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And so, one of the issues with this is that the Fed can generate money literally out of thin air. It's not backed by anything that is tangible other than just the promise of the U.S. government. And again, as I said before, it used to be backed by gold, but that's no longer the case. And so, again, without, I want to, this is, the podcast is not meant to be a, a treatise on, you know, money, but it definitely is worth reading those two books. Um, and we so these are
1: all. I mean, these are all facts. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, not, not no opinions here. Nope. So everything
0: in there is a fact. Yeah. Just as you read through that Jekyll Island book, there are a couple of opinions put in there. You've Got to understand, just take it with a grain of salt. and See where he's going with it. But you know, look at the facts on that.
1: Yeah, It'll we're not saying up. it's good or it's bad. It's just what it is. Correct. Yeah.
0: And so what you'll find then is, you know, if I were to ask anybody, hey, if you look at what you spent money on this past month assuming that it was the same type of goods and services that you did or that you needed a year ago this month. You know, we're recording this a week or so in front of Thanksgiving. And if you look at what you're going to spend this year to provide a Thanksgiving meal, you know, the turkey, the fixings, the stuff, and the pumpkin pie, all that stuff. You add all that up, it costs whatever it costs. Nobody keeps a record of this, but you ought to think back, like what did it cost last year to do this? assuming you made the exact same meal and the exact same quantities. And you'll look at that and say, wow, the prices went up. And that's inflation.
1: Yeah, don't even just look at it year over year because year over year, you know, it it may go up or down, you don't know. But look at it over the course of the last 10 years or 15, 20 years.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That'll give you a better perspective of where that cost is going or or prices are going.
0: And so... You'll see that prices rise, but even though the price is more expensive this year, just using the, the Thanksgiving meal example, are you know, you're spending more money, but are you getting more food than you were two, three, four, five, eight years ago? And you're not. And so what that is, is that's inflation. And a lot of times people think that inflation is the rising of price. And you could look at it the other way and say, it's really a decline in value of the dollar. You might have to hit rewind on the podcast to, to think about that for a minute. But inflation, you think of it as a rise in price. You could also think of it as a decline in the value of the dollar.
1: Yeah, what's being inflated is is the uh the cash or the money that's in the system. And
0: it, yeah, exactly. So there's more money yeah. out there, so as there's more it it takes more money if you will to buy the product easy example um, you think of it a couple ways so easiest way to think about it go back in time let's see where we're two 2017 as we're recording this so if we go back if if you buy a house you got about a 30 year mortgage so that would say let's say you bought the place in about 1990 and I'm just going to use Southern California because that's an area that I know. Let's say the place were to cost you, just for numbers, cost you $100,000. And now, with inflation, that same house <clears throat> that you've now lived in for 27 years is now going for about half a million dollars. And so, you can go back in time, in 1990, how hard was it to write a check for $100,000 to pay cash for the house? If you look at what, you know, annual salaries for that neighborhood that would be living in that neighborhood that could afford that house, they are what they are. Today, annual salaries of $100,000 is pretty common. hmm And so you got to look at that and say, so think about that. So the house that you bought, you know, 27 years ago, 123 Main Street, you know, Southern California neighborhood, is now going for half a million dollars. Did the house really increase in value fivefold? Or did money's value decrease so much that now that it takes five times as much to buy what used to cost a hundred grand now it costs five hundred grand
1: it's the same house it's the same
0: house and so if you live in that house and you sell it, does that mean that you 've upgraded because now you get half a million dollars you can go buy another house, but you're basically there buying equivalent home to what you Bought for a hundred grand in
1: 1990. Yeah, you're not living five times better. Nope. As far as, far as the house, right? Nope. Even though it increased five times in the value, your house is not five times well, larger. The number, yeah, it's Correct.
0: not five times nicer.
1: And well, I would say increase five times in U.S. dollars. Yes. Yeah. And so you think about that too.
0: If you sell your house, ignoring 1031 exchange and that, where you could you know move over into a different without paying the tax man. But if you sell the house, you got to pay tax on 400 grand in capital gains. So if you sell it, you bought it for 100 grand. You sell it for half a million dollars, ignoring all the depreciation, all the other stuff, just to keep it simple. Your your gain on that would be a 400 thousand dollar gain. But if you think about it, you really didn't make anything, because it's the same value as what it was, you know, 27 years ago.
1: But you still get taxed.
0: You're still going to get taxed on that four hundred thousand dollars of "quote unquote" gain, but there's really no gain. And if you take a step back, that's really a in a weird, weird way to think about it, or a different way to think about it. That's a hidden way for government to collect taxes on something that you really didn't earn or make, because your true your your purchasing power didn't increase. Mm-hmm. Yet you're going to get taxed on that increased amount.
1: I guess that's why they give you that uh, ten thirty one exchange, um, so so you can you can stay in the same or better or more expensive property. Yes. Right. So that all right, you want to keep your uh, all of your money, <laughs> keep, your, keep your
0: gain, your quote unquote yeah. gains untapped.
1: Yeah. Stay in that same property or or mm-hmm. pay more, pay a little bit more. Yep. Yeah.
0: And so, if you think about it, if you were to sell the place and take the tax hit now your purchasing power actually is, is reduced. It declines because you get taxed on that $400,000 of gain. And so you have to understand this, you know, when you, when you get into what money is and how, how it is treated, how it is taxed.
1: Hey, a quick point I want to make on the inflation numbers. Please. Uh, there's a, there's sometimes there's a hidden number in there that, you know, that people don't really look at. um, like just like the home here we said you bought for 100,000 in 1990 and now it's selling or now it's worth valued at 500,000 uh, when it was built in 1990 it probably cost a lot more to build in 1990 and today it's a lot cheaper to build it because you know methods and ways we're, mass, we're able to mass produce and technology it drives down cost of production and if we were to Use the same method as we did in nineteen ninety. It wouldn't cost five hundred thousand. It might be a hundred or, or a million.
0: Okay, all right. Does it make sense? I think so. Try it again.
1: It's it's well. Let me give you an example. People can go, oh, Chris, but you said everything goes up. Hey, how about computer prices? They stayed the same. Flat screen TVs. They actually gone down in value, or they gone down in prices. Yep. Over the years, yeah, because they cost them a lot less to produce them today. Because of technology, mm-hmm. so technology should, without inflation, reduce price even more. Your yeah. PC, right? If your PC should, your should cost you fifty bucks, right? Something mm-hmm. like that, or whatever that number is. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot less than what is costing you today. If there was no inflation, that's what I meant. Is people think, oh, you know, only looking at the prices increase, but if you add in the uh, the the, the Productivity—the improvement in productivity—over um, the years—that that should bring down costs, but instead it's bringing it up. Correct. It's still rising. Yeah, that's right.
0: That's right. Yeah,
1: just like food, we're, we're able to produce a lot more food today than back then. Yes. Right. With less effort, less you know, material or resources.
0: Yep. But food's a lot more expensive.
1: Correct. The food is still going up. Mm-hmm. And imagine if we didn't have these methods. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying.
0: So that gives a, a very broad brush perspective on quote unquote money as well as inflation slash tax, if you will. And so the purpose of the podcast is to talk about Bitcoin. Chris, you got something you want to add there?
1: Yeah, it's just more of, a, it's not, not really about Bitcoin, but really the mindset around Bitcoin and any other investment that you might take a look at. Okay. I think that's what we want to address. And uh, we'll get into some details into Bitcoin as much as we know, right? Uh, but the how-to and you know the instructions and the specifics and details, you can all Google it up and read it about it. Um, but we really want to talk about just the mindset and how we approach it, uh, what things that we've heard people come up with or, you know, that have asked us, we'll address some of those. Um, and, you know, what Chris just went through earlier about uh, just understanding what money is about, because it does help you understand the purpose of Bitcoin on how it was created. Yes. Or why it was created. So it's it- very important to understand the uh, the concept of money first. From my perspective, and again,
0: let me, let me put that disclaimer. I'm not giving advice on whether you should buy or sell it. I am far from the Bitcoin God or the incredibly knowledgeable one. And I know Chris would say the same thing about himself. Our understanding of it and what we have seen, it started to gain popularity after the 2007-2008 uh, the financial crisis. It might have been around before, but it started its popularity started to rise after that. And I believe the reason for that was the concern from the populace saying, hey, you know, the the Fed seemed to have kind of botched things up there with the financial debacle. And the concern was what happens if the currency becomes worthless? You know, this little piece of paper that we say is a $20 bill, but it's really just a piece of paper. What if we all suddenly realize that at once? and say, oh my gosh, it really is worthless. What happens? And the movement from my interpretation of it was really as a way to kind of decentralize the control or the creation of money, basically to take that power out of the hands of the central banks that are around the world, whether it's the Fed, whether it's the Bank of Japan, Bank of England, etc., is to take the power out of that
1: So that they can't just uh, create inflation at will, right? By printing more money, putting more money into the system. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And so one of the concerns I've got with Bitcoin that I I don't have a good understanding of this, but there still seems to be, you know, where is the quote-unquote control with Bitcoin? People say it's all digital and it's out in the cloud or whatever it is, that's fine. But just in my own mind, I don't have a good handle on, you know, who does control? I said, well, nobody does. Like, I'm not sure I believe that. But Chris, you've read more about that. If you mm-hmm. want to kind of talk to those concerns, yeah, I
1: mean, yeah, I think uh, they said it's decentralized because there's there it doesn't go through any one entity or like right, like the federal government or a central bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it really is just a network of uh, transactions. Really, uh, you know, I don't need to get into all the specific details, but you guys can read more about it. But um, it's kind of like, you know, they explain it's kind of like email, right? Who who really controls it? It's just a technology that you, people are using. Um, so, you know, but if you were to send mail through the post office, then somebody controls that, right? It, it, you know, you can. Does it make sense, Chris? If you relate it to, you know, just this this. Physical money thing.
0: A little bit, except that if, I've, if I use that analogy, Gmail controls their email. Hotmail sure. controls theirs. Sure, got, but
1: you can create your own email system and use it. But I, you're I, just I, deciding to use somebody else. I'm just saying the technology behind it.
0: Okay, all right,
1: right. No one, no one, you know, no one says, oh, you can't use email. I mean, um, you can always, uh, you know, put up your own. Right, you can host your own. Okay, start up your own email. But yeah, there's there's no. It's a technology that's there, Um, and and you know apparently there's nobody that can control that, right? And and that's the fear that government has because these transactions that are being done are not tied to any one individual, and it doesn't go back to you know uh, you know Chris Hansen, Social Security, whatever it is that they track you with. There's there's they don't have that. And so that's the uh, kind of pushback from, right, government to say that, you know, it's illegal because it's a way to, uh, you know, kind of launder money and stuff. And, you know, um, that's why they want to shut it down. And, you know, that's, that's, that's what China is trying to do or has done.
0: Correct. I'll, uh, I'll take devil's advocate on this thing. The thing that I personally love about cash is uh, there's a number of things I like about cash. What I don't like about it is there's always the risk that someone will bonk me over the head and take the $100 in my pocket. But I love the fact that when I walk in, if I want to buy something, I don't have a bank or a credit card company or even the government, if they were to go in and look at it, to see that, oh, he spent you know $45 at the grocery store the other day and $35 at the gas station. If I use cash, they don't know. Mm-hmm. So nobody is tracking my purchases. Yeah. Um, but if I use Bitcoin, it aren't isn't there the opportunity to track quote unquote my purchases
1: no that's what you know i don't want to get into the details because you know you got to sit down read and go through all the you know the the, the the explanation they'll tell you there's no way of them tracking it okay the way it's the de- built-in design and and that's why it's gotten you know the, the, the recognition or the, uh, the attention it's gotten, right? It's, this technology is something pretty, it's not just a, um, yeah, you know, you uncovered something that isn't going to be useful. You know, it, it can be applied to other uh, applications and stuff in finance and accounting, okay. right? And the and, and way we do business. So that's what people are exploring, what we're calling that whole blockchain technology that uh, Bitcoin people refer to.
0: But now with that, then don't I have, <clears throat> for lack of a better word, uh, you know, the the Chris Hansen account has x number of bits in it, or x number mm-hmm. of bitcoins, if you want to think of it bits and bytes, right? So it shows that I have a value of hundred dollars, okay, or hundred bitcoins, or whatever the whatever the, mm-hmm. the unit of it's the measure in
1: bitcoin, is. yeah, a fractional bitcoins or whatever it is. No problem. So making, yeah, bitcoin can be in fractions.
0: So let's just say let's just call it a bitcoin, just equate it to a dollar.
1: Yeah, it is a Bitcoin. You just say Bitcoin, and and it could be a fraction of a Bitcoin. No problem. Like point zero 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 one. Got it, which would equate to a penny. Or whatever. Whatever it is. You you multiply the value, of people put it compared to the U.S. dollar at the time. Correct.
0: But so there's some record somewhere that shows that I have access to 100 Bitcoins, or 100, the equivalent, whatever, that works out to 100 bucks, Mm -hmm. how many Bitcoins that is. That's stored somewhere
1: it's the money is stored well you know your digital money right it's stored in what they call as your your digital wallet and you manage that yes when you send the transaction over or whatever and you send you send you know i think you you say all right i'm going to send this amount mm-hmm. that's when they do the bitcoin mining is when this person is mining and and uh verifying the transaction there's entities out there that or people out there that are you know uh, buying equipments and all this stuff that's to do mining. To do the mining. Wh- whoever mines it the fastest gets, you know, gets paid a, a piece for the fee okay. th- of the transaction. Okay. Yeah, and so, and and the the technology behind the mining or the mathematics behind the mining uh, verifies that you you have that amount. It that's 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 what the power of that whole uh, you know technology that people are fascinated about.
0: And so no different than today. Any time that somebody touches money, a little bit sticks with them.
1: Mm-hmm, correct. So, yep.
0: on, on any kind of, if you think about any yep. kind of transaction that goes on, if money passes hands, a little bit sticks on the fingers of the guy that touched it.
1: Yep. So That's their something. argument is, you know, with Bitcoin, you're not going through banks, okay. and, and everyone can process it for you. Okay. And the, and, and over time, I think the cost of Processing these transactions will get, will come down to very cheap. I think they're expensive now. Okay. Yeah. But over time, they're supposed to come down really cheap because so many people, you know, will have, will be doing it. It's just like there's so many bankers and, right? Yes. Financial institutions today. But so there will be enough that uh, people doing it that it'll bring the cost down.
0: So, Chris, when you've been questioned about this from people, let see if you have the same answer that I do. Do people ask you about the, the quote unquote, the technology and the how-to? Or do they ask you about, hey, how do I make money on this?
1: It's uh, usually they, they don't know what to ask. They just come and say, uh, you know, what do you think about Bitcoin? Really?
0: Yes. Yeah. But do you think that's more geared toward the, explain the concept?
1: And what do you it's think probably about it, It's probably geared towards, of, uh, you know, how can I make money on this? Yes. Yeah, They're excited about the, uh, the, it's like, you know, you see dollar signs, the, the greed in their eyes when they ask you.
0: That's been my experience. Very yeah. few people want to get into understanding the the how to do mm-hmm. and what it's all about, you know, what is under the covers of this thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to, hey, I've heard that the price of Bitcoin just went up through the roof, you know, it jumped up X number of percent over the past week or two or year. Yeah. How do I get in on that? Right? And so they, they've got the, the speculation, speculators' greed,
1: Let's do a pause point there with the little you know light bulb, that's a how to think hmm when you hear about something, it makes sense to go do a real research and not just jump on the bandwagon and you know buy blindly
0: yeah, and that's yeah. that relates to any kind of new investment. I was not just saying this about bitcoin hmm that could have been real estate you know twelve years ago
1: yeah, really, what you're trying to do is get information right with information, then you can formulate right into your system how you. Uh, uh, invest or, or trade or make a decision. Yes. Um, but you need that information. You can't just do it blindly.
0: Well, it's two things, right? You need the information about the investment to to get get your hand, get your head around it. And then two, you have to have the operating system in place.
1: Yep, for making the
0: decision. The, the, deciding, you know. is this right for you? And where and when is it right for you? Mm-hmm. You, know, you may look and go, oh, I can make a ton of money on this. But if it doesn't fit with your operating system, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. you let it go.
1: Right? And you don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, part of the operating system is to analyze risk-reward as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so a lot of people don't even look at any of that. right? It's all reward, and reward is the max. Whatever the media yes. tells them that Bitcoin can get to. Yeah, let's
0: say it's going to get to, you know, X number of tens of thousands of dollars. Cool, that's that's my target exit. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, okay, <laughs> why is that? Well, because I read some article, you know, four days ago or 14 days ago or four months ago that someone said it'll get there. That's just an opinion. There's no fact on that at all. It's pure speculative opinion.
1: Yeah, and that's not to say don't go out and buy Bitcoin. If you want to buy it, great. Do the research. Mm-hmm.
0: What you'll find too, and it's it's fascinating to go back. It, it's it's human nature. It's fascinating to go back and look over time when new things have come out, if you will. And when I say th- I put things with finger quotes around it, it'd be any laundry list of items. And when you hear of these things, or look back in history at these, and people have the opportunity to invest in that you'll see that the same thing happens again and again and again. And so the first people that invest in something new are the speculators, right? They hear of something that seems, sounds kind of hot, kind of interesting, kind of whatever word you want to put on there. And they jump in first. And then as that continues to grow and prices may rise or its popularity or its reach is increased, Then you get professionals that jump in. And then the popularity spreads and increases. More and more people hear about it. And then you get the public wanting to jump in. And the public always jumps in last. And who does the public buy from? They buy from the speculators and the professionals. And the public always buys at the top.
1: That's a good point to make the, uh, the speculators and the professionals. They're getting ready to dump. Yes. And they're dumping it to the public.
0: Yep. The public always buys at the top. It always happens that way. It's always happened that way in history. It's gone on for centuries. Um, so one warning I would issue you is do not let some, you know, you, you can find on meetup. There's Bitcoin groups popping up all over the place. And some guru is going to stand up and say, here's, here's what you should buy, and here's what you should do, and blah, 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 blah. Be very skeptical, if you will, or go in there with an educated ear.
1: Yeah, they're all how-to-do. It's not really the operating system.
0: Yeah, but they'll all tell you that this time is different. Right? If you look at examples in the past, I mean, the you know, there was a thing back in the 1700s where the Dutch were buying and selling and trading tulip bulbs, to the point where, you know, these flower bulbs were going for thousands of dollars, right, for just a, a little bubble would generate, you know, a, a few flowers. And this is back in the 1700s. So think of the value of that in today's dollars. You know, you fast forward into the 60s, you had the, they call them the nifty 50, or 50 stocks or, you know, great movers in that. Um, you had the internet boom in the late, uh, late 1900s, you know, in the, in the late 90s. And the dot com boom. Then you had the housing boom in the early 2000s, right? And we saw how that ended. You know, specific stocks, you could make the argument Tesla.
1: I was the public in the uh, internet boom.
0: Yeah, that's when you <laughs> first got started.
1: Right? Oh, yeah. I was seeing all these uh, uh, symbols in the bottom of the screen on Bloomberg.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember watching the college dorm, and I see tickers at the bottom, and they're all flashing pretty much red, you know. Yep.
0: Well, that's, I mean, that's how you came up to me. You said, hey, "Yeah, you, I bought this. and
1: the, everything I saw, Chris. dot com. dot com. dot com." Yes, and it was funny. I wrote down this symbol because, or I wrote down this, you know, the the the, the company because uh, I remember it was egghead.com. Okay, you remember a company called egghead.com? dot Sold software, I think, didn't they? I have no idea. I just it was just sounded interesting because I had a buddy. I nicknamed him Egghead back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, egghead.com, all right.
0: Maybe start a company.
1: You let's, let's trade it. it. <laughs> so
0: going back through the dot-com boom, there were lots and lots of people who became millionaires on paper during the dot-com boom. And they bought a stock in the late 90s, held on, and stuff was just rising to the roof. Um, the challenge was they never knew when to cash in. And so they were millionaires on paper and they might actually have cashed in on some of it. And cashed
1: in or cashed out
0: or well, well, <laughs> cashed in, right? And then saw that it kept going so they rolled their they rolled their profits into the next one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then as the market turned south, they said, "Oh, prices are dropping. Let's go in and buy more because this is a dip. It's going to keep right on going." And prices fell and fell and fell and fell. Right? And what's interesting today, a lot of those people are called the same word that they were that they were during the dot-com boom and that word is the employee they're the public right they bought in not knowing what they were buying they didn't know when to buy they didn't know what to buy they didn't know when to sell and you got to know that at a minimum absolute minimum and what you're doing with this and that assumes that you've got the operating system that's already in place
1: yeah, I mean, you, you know, when somebody says, "Hey, what do you think about Bitcoin?" You know, or basically their question is, "Should I invest in it?" Uh-huh. And that's a that's that's like a loaded question because it's not there's no one answer because you know look what Chris just says, what to buy, when to buy, when to sell, not just that, but how much. Yes. And w- do you buy more? When do you buy more?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. There's so many things that you know. What if certain things happen? What if right? There's, there's a lot of questions to answer. Correct. So that's the operating system that uh, Chris is talking about here that you need to have in place um, before these sound decisions can be made about Bitcoin or whatever it is that comes up.
0: Because if you don't have that operating system in place, you are simply gambling. Mm-hmm. You, know, you got the, the urge to go buy, go put dollars on Bitcoin today at whatever price it is but you have no idea if it's on the rise, on the decline, or whatever, how will you know when to get out? How will you know when to get back in, if you should even be in there?
1: Yeah, and it doesn't mean it's going to go away. It could be around, just that it may not be at that price that you bought it at. Correct. Yeah. Kind of like your beloved Krispy uh, uh, Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme
0: Donuts, KKD. Yeah.
1: Yep. Right. So you got the speculators early on before maybe it went went public. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, when it went public, you got the professionals coming in, right, or just even prior to that. Yep. And then the public is after they ate all the donuts and tasted it and all this hype. And then, you know, you, you see it come crashing down and then, you know, it's still alive, but, you know, there's a lot of people who bought it at the peak. Yes. Yeah, and still held it, didn't sell. When Actually, they, some, a lot of people bought it before the rise, too.
0: And so the public comes in, think about whose shares did they buy. They bought the shares of the speculator. Speculator said, "Hey, price is right, and you can have mine." And so the speculator happily sold to them. The professionals sell to the public, and they get out. And now the public is left holding the bag. And realize, oh, this is just a high-end donut. shop. stinky bag. <laughs> yeah, this is just a high-end donut shop. Why is this thing valued at you know 40, 50 bucks a share, whatever the company value is at that point? Mm-hmm. No reason.
1: And you got Crocs.
0: Yes. Yep. Crocs. Those were wonderfully. Have you ever owned a pair? Never. Nope. I've never even tried them on, but people tell me how comfortable they are. They just look funky. <laughs> so if you're a Crocs fan or a Crocs employee, nothing personal.
1: Like I believe you. Yeah, if exactly. I liked them, I would put a piece of foam under my foot too. <laughs> <laughs> but right.
0: Crocs had a great run.
1: Yeah. But Sorry if you guys like Crocs.
0: Yeah. For the, for the croc fans out there, forgive us.
1: The good thing is it has nothing to do with you being successful. Correct. <laughs> Correct.
0: But but it's in, back to Bitcoin, it's interesting. We're seeing the same thing going on now with Bitcoin. Right? There's a lot of articles you can read on C N B C where they talk about, you know, if you'd put some pennies into Bitcoin, you know, X number of years ago, those pennies would be worth ten thousand dollars today or whatever that growth has been. It's just phenomenal growth you think about it from twofold, you know, the idea behind Bitcoin is as a replacement, if you will, for currency. And yet in order to get to, to take advantage of that growth, you got to convert it back into currency. You know, see, so you put a hundred dollars on Bitcoin as a, you know, just as a speculative lark, you know, a decade ago or whenever you did it. And now it's worth whatever, pick a number, whatever it's worth a million bucks. well, were you buying that just to sell it you're you're back owning dollars again Mhm as opposed yeah, to it, buying yeah, into the I mean the goal
1: of it. it is to replace the US dollar really right yes. or, or just you know uh, fiat currency Yes um, but it needs to be adopted around the world everyone needs to buy into it Mhm and how is government going to buy into it when you got you know Dictators and stuff over in other countries, they're not going to buy into it. No. They want to control their currency. Correct. Right. So it's very tough for it to replace currency. Um, To me, I think at best it would likely, um, you know, the technology will still be there. It's digital money. People, because it's secured, people can still use it. It's kind of like your airline miles, right? Then you can convert it into money. Mm -hmm. But there is an exchange uh, that, you know, that... That you can go to and, and, and do the, the trading for this stuff. Correct. Um, but other than that, it's not going to replace currency and replace all these banks just because the government won't allow it. They're not, they're not backing it. Correct. Yep. And also, for it to really become money that for us to use, it can't keep on fluctuating at the point that it's fluctuating. Yes. Right.
0: Yeah, because if the public is going to do this, if you want your grandmother owning this stuff, <clears throat> you cannot have that price be fluctuating plus or minus 10, 15% within two, three days, or even a few hours, mm-hmm. as we saw yeah. a few days ago.
1: And you're right. The, uh, the the people that buy this stuff, you know, they, they're hoping and dreaming that this would someday replace the currency. right? And that's where they see the value would skyrocket.
0: But they're hoping and dreaming, but they're, if it doesn't, how do they know when to get out?
1: Yeah, there's no strategy. There's no uh, operating system in place to, to even think about that. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So
0: one of the things with that, though, is, you know, as you see more and more articles coming up in the mainstream media stuff, it pulls in the public. And people get more excited about it, thinking, oh, there's an opportunity. You know, look how much this stuff has risen. I want to jump in, too. And I don't know where we are in that cycle. I don't know if we're at the top. We've got a ways to go. But my... It was s- an article...
1: There's an article there's not too long ago about a few weeks ago that said this guy, he and his wife, you know, he sold he sold everything they have mm-hmm. and converted into Bitcoin. And then just kind of, you know, living, they're, they're kind of traveling, living around uh, with whatever money they can scrape up. And I guess they're doing some type of social media stuff to get uh, advertising dollars so they live off of that. Okay. You know, while they, uh, you know, just hope their Bitcoin, you know, uh, matures into something that they can survive and live off of forever.
0: <laughs> I guess they could have also bought shares in Tesla. Exactly, it's the same concept, right? <laughs> and if they bought it at thirty, they'd be thrilled today. If they bought it they're at fifty, they wouldn't be too happy today.
1: Yeah, they're they're basically saying. Uh, hey, we're 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 hoping that we're gonna get time freedom, but we're gonna sacrifice everything we own. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's going to Vegas. Let's put it all on red. Yep. And and the sad color.
1: thing is, it got kids. Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: my kids may end up learning a good lesson from mom and dad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Could be a good one. Could be a bad one. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Well, either way, they're both bad because. <laughs> Well, I guess if he loses money, you know, it's 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 a horrible thing, right? Because they have to deal with that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the lesson, you know, they'll learn something. But if he makes money, and then the kids think it's can be made that easily by, you know, risking everything. Correct. Yeah.
0: So it's it's interesting though. It, it, again, as you see more and more articles coming out in the media, right? It's pulling in the public, and the two of us are seeing it now because we're getting a lot more requests. From people saying, "Hey, could you guys talk about Bitcoin? You know, what's this all about?" And without saying it, they're saying, "Is it should I be buying some?" And what's interesting is nobody asked about this a few months ago. You know, whether due to the podcast or you know from the podcast listeners, or just people we deal with in our day to day living that know we we deal in you know trading of assets and investing in assets, being on you know, uh, shares of public health companies. Nobody was asking about it. Now, by them asking about it more and more today, does that mean that Bitcoin or whatever it's going to be is here to stay? Or is that an indication that we're potentially in a bubble? And I don't know. Right? It'll be interesting
1: to see. Yeah. And one of the things to be careful about, too, is I think, uh, you know, through my research, it seems like the easiest way to invest in it is through an ETF.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. But uh, if you a lot of people don't know what they invest in, you know, they just think, oh, it's an ETF or it's some symbol I can buy. You need to look into what's behind that symbol. And from what I've seen, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that that, that the, the value of the Bitcoin that's in the, um, the ETF, okay. it's way less than what people are paying for the price of the ETF. So, it's like they're paying right now, you know, let's say Bitcoin's, you know, uh, at $5,000.
0: Okay.
1: Right? They're really paying like eight, $9,000.
0: So, there's a premium on there.
1: Yeah. They're paying a huge premium in the ETF. For those
0: of you that are listening, saying, what is an ETF? An ETF is an exchange-traded fund. Think of it as a, if you understand what a share of stock is on, you know, IBM or Exxon. Um, or you know, we've seen uh, over the last couple of days, GE came out with an announcement that things are not looking as rosy, and the stock took a, I don't know what it was, maybe a 20% haircut in a couple of days, or 12%, whatever it was, it dropped big. And GE has GE has something like eight billion shares outstanding, if I remember the math right. And just for easy numbers, let's say just make the math easy. Let's say that GE has 10 billion shares outstanding, and let's say that the price of a share is twenty dollars. So that says then, if you wanted to outright, if you wanted to buy outright GE, you would need 20 bucks a share times 10 billion shares. You knew you would need to come up with whatever that is, $200 billion. And if you had $200 billion, you could effectively go to all the shareholders and say, I'd like to buy your shares. And you could then own all of GE. And so that's the way a share of stock works in ETF. So a mutual fund is similar, or sorry, a mutual fund is set up such that a bunch of people will throw their money into a collective pool. They hire a fund manager who goes around and says, all right, let me, you know, I I collected a hundred grand from a number of people and 10 grand from a bunch of people and a thousand from a bunch of people. It all totals up to a million dollars. And the fund manager will spread the money across a number of stocks they may buy a few shares of GE or a few percentage points sorry a few percent of that million put some in GE some in IBM some in Microsoft some in whatever and so now and they have
1: their restrictions and rules and and regulations that they follow correct to stay diversified etc but i think the mutual fund is really it's it's a lot more active right as far as selecting stocks and moving positions around correct
0: and that's what everybody gets into when they're if you're in your 401k at work Mm-hmm. So you've, you've invested in a mutual fund and that's in essence what the mutual fund is doing. You, there's a fund manager that's taking the collective dollars from all of us that are in that mutual fund and he's, he or she is buying and selling shares of companies that meet their criteria. Then that's all written up in the prospectus. And it, when you buy into a mutual fund, if you say, I'd like to buy an ABC mutual fund today and it's nine in the morning or 10 in the morning, you don't get the price at 10 in the morning. You get the price that shows up at the close, and so if the market happened to be rising that day, then you get that—you'll buy it at that higher price at the close. If it happened to be dropping that day, you get it at the lower price. An exchange-traded fund is, in simple terms, it's a collection of companies, and it trades. It looks like a mutual fund, but it trades like a stock. And so, <clears throat> for example, and
1: it's very passively managed. It yes. really kind of mimics a an exchange or a certain, uh, uh, what, index?
0: Yes. So you okay. may look, and Sarah, if we use a, I'll just use a, a financial uh, ETF just as an example. If you go read the numbers on it, you may see that it says we own um, 10% of our dollars is tied up in Bank of America. We have 4% tied up in J.P. Morgan. We have 14% in BlackRock, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as the prices of those stocks change, that then gets reflected in the value of per share of the ETF. And so that price is constantly shifting around. And so when you want to make a purchase, if you want to make a purchase at 10 AM, whatever the price is at 10 AM, that's what you get. And so you don't have to wait till the end of the day. And so going back to the Bitcoin example, what they're saying is the value of Bitcoin may be at, just pick a number, let's say $5,000. But the ETF itself is valuing it as if it's worth, what do you say, Chris, $8,000? Mm-hmm.
1: It's a much higher paying, a, a pretty
0: large premium. And so you have to be aware of that. So if you're buying in, understand that if this thing just decides to go flat or go south, everybody that bought the Bitcoin at five, it may go down to four and mm-hmm. they lose 20%. If you bought it, what seemingly you didn't realize you were paying eight for it. And now when it equals out, now it's only worth four. You just took a 50% haircut. Mm-hmm. So you have to be aware of that. And that's why I say you've yeah. got to do your research on the stuff before you put a dollar in there.
1: Yeah. So don't expect like the, the, the price of the ETF to move right, uh, in a linear fashion with Bitcoin or a one to one ratio right, with Bitcoin uh, prices. So, Chris,
0: how much Bitcoin have you gone out and bought in the last six months? 0.0000000? Mm,
1: 0. 000 000.
0: Yep. Same with me. Not a single penny. Not
1: but, that you know, it, it doesn't mean it's just because I... It doesn't mean I won't. No. Well, to me, it, it doesn't mean you can't make money off of it. Correct. It's like you can, but to me, it requires a lot more work on that end for me to try to when the stock market's available. Yes. Yeah. You know, if you explain it kind of like, you know, let's go shopping. And if you know what everything that you need is at a certain store, why do you care what that other store is offering? If you have everything that you need at at the store, why do you care what the other store is offering? When you know that or when you when you know that the other store could shoot you when you get there, (laughs) they could rob you. Yep. Right. Possibility. Yeah. And so
0: the reason you won't see us going nuts about figuring out Bitcoin, we do plenty well, fine, trading the stock market. At some point, we're going to have to increase our knowledge on some type of digital currency, whether it's Bitcoin or whatever the next thing will be. Mm -hmm. But it's not. And it makes sense.
1: It makes sense to be, you know, get yourself aware. Yes. Um, Anytime there's upcoming technology or things that could change the way we do, we live or how we uh, work. Um, it makes sense to be, uh, you know, not kind of blindsided by it.
0: Correct. But I'm not dropping everything. Correct. To go rush into Bitcoin or to go, you know, if I've got five books on my reading list, they are not all, in fact, not a single one of them is about Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Right. I'll get there when I get there as it kind of proves itself. Does that mean I may miss an opportunity to catch a rise? Sure. But I don't care. Yeah,
1: unless Bitcoin, you know, trades on a, uh, you know, on, on the in the stock market, mm-hmm. and and there's charts, there's history, there's things that we look for, and right? then if it applies it or if it meets the criteria, um, for us to trade it, they will trade it. The but it'll work on it a list. Yeah. It's
0: not there yet. So, anything else we should talk about regard to Bitcoin? Have we have we not just scratched the surface? I kind of think we've scratched the bottom of the barrel on our knowledge on this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think um, the you, people got to go in and and read. There's a lot of literature out there, and there's there's pretty informative stuff. So it's not hard to go out and research it. So if you you get more questions, more information you want, go do that research. Uh, the purpose of the podcast here is to really address the mindset that you want to develop around, you know, uh, thinking about something like Bitcoin, because it could be something else in the uh, next year or five years from now. Correct. Correct. And, and the, the, having the correct mindset will help you decide appropriately, right. To make you, uh, you know, to get that right decision for yourself.
0: Chris, a different way to ask it. So you're not worried about, you know, if Bitcoin rises to the moon that you're going to miss an opportunity here, you could have bought in November of 2017. And, you know, we get to 2021, you go, oh, my gosh, look how much money I would have made.
1: Nope, there's plenty of money for everyone.
0: Yeah, it does not scare me, the least, and by the same token, you know, when people are saying, hey, you know, lamb, it's 2003, 2004, you ought to be going out buying real estate. People are making money hand over fist. Did you go out of your way to buy real estate? Mm-mm. Nope, nor did I. And a few years later, they're all going, man, look what happened.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, but even then, it doesn't matter even. It It didn't fit my operating system. Yeah.
0: Did not fit the operating system. Was not along, was not pushing me towards the purpose that I was going toward. And didn't, it was more of an app. But did not fit in. If it did fit into the operating system, it was a sideline thing. I didn't want to spend the time on it.
1: So I'm not going to be surprised if uh, you you get a follow on question that says, Hey, what do you think about Ethereum or something? Yes, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> another digital currency or yeah, another cryptocurrency. cryptocurrency. Like, I mean, if if you if you ask that, then you're totally missing the how to think.
0: Yep, you're you're wrapped up in the app. So cool. For those of you that uh uh sent us the suggestions, and there are a lot of them that came in about the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency, et cetera, et cetera, thank you for that. We uh hopefully shows that we do listen always intrigued with that. We've got another, um, a bunch of people have asked about another topic that I think we'll put on an upcoming one here. I won't say what the topic is in case we decide not to make it the next one. We may push it a few out. Um, but if you do have ideas or comments for us, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us one of two ways, going to the website, investingfromthebeach.com. There's a contact us and you either send us a note or give us a phone call. Email is investingfromthebeach at gmail.com. The phone number is easy to remember. Get on a 747 in 24 hours. You can be at just about any beach in the world, and that's our number, 747-24-BEACH. In listening to this podcast, we know that if you'll apply what we've taught, you too can get to the point of achieving time freedom. It's not something that's going to come quick. It's going to take a while. But I will tell you that once you get there, it is not a place that you ever want to leave. And the way we symbolize or or reference time freedom are waves crashing on the beach on Tuesday. Most people get to hear the weekend waves. And I assure you, if you haven't heard them, Tuesday waves sound incredible. And it's our belief and knowledge that if you'll apply what we talk about in this podcast, in this episode and other episodes... You too will get to the point that all you you are listening to are Tuesday waves, and Tuesday waves are the best by far. As always, thank you for listening, thank you for your time, and we'll speak to you next time.